0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to Episode 6 of Not Your Average Sunday School Story. It's Martin here, and I have Pastor John and Pastor Dwayne back with me today. And uh, we're going to get a little intro into the life of Abram or Abraham. We'll figure out which one is proper here in just a little bit, perhaps. Uh, but we're going to get this started in kind of a mini-series of the life of Abraham. There's a lot to get into, and uh, we can't get it all in one episode, so we're going to split it up into a couple here, depending on how deep we go into each, we'll tell you how many there's going to be at the end, but uh, here we go. Hey, y'all. It's Martin here, and I have Pastor John and Pastor Dwayne again, and uh, we're going to get things rolling here with the intro of the life of Abraham. Uh, We'll go through it with the Children's Beginner Bible as we normally do. Oh, I can't wait to hear what they've done John is at the edge of his seat here to listen to it. So the story for Abraham is titled A New Land. It mentions that it goes from Genesis 12 to 17. And it goes a little something like this. There once was a good man named Abraham. God had a special plan for him. God told Abraham to move to a new land. So Abraham left the place where he lived. He packed up everything he had, his tents, his dishes, his clothes. He gathered all of his animals, and he went to a new land that God showed him. Abraham's wife Sarah and his nephew Lot went with him. Abraham and Lot also brought along helpers to take care of their animals. But there was a problem. Abraham's helpers and Lot's helpers were always fighting. Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have all this fighting. You take your helpers and choose a new place to live, and I'll take mine and move to a different land. Lot chose first. He took the best-looking land for himself. It had plenty of water and grass for all of his animals. Abraham moved his animals and his family. He set up his tents near big trees in Hebron. God made a promise to Abraham. He said, You will have so many children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren that no one will be able be able to count them all and all the land that you see right now will be yours that is the introduction to abraham as by the beginner bible Mm. i don't like it any response to that i don't like it we'll dive a little bit more into it but uh, i have some questions as i normally do these guys are going to supply the answers and all the knowledge that they have into the abram story so I guess the first question that I'm just coming up with is, what is this guy's name? I kind of alluded to it in the beginning portion of the podcast, but it says here that once upon a time there was a guy named Abraham, but when I read it from the scripture, it says something different. Abram.
1: Abram. Abram. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's definitely not Abraham yet, although if you're going to combine five chapters into a couple paragraphs, I guess you're allowed to skip names and things like that. But they, they, they really ran over a, a ton of material just to tell you Abraham was moving and that Lot moved into a nice neighborhood, although it, it really wasn't a very nice neighborhood. I, I, I think you sucked the soul out of the story. You, you mm-hmm. missed all the the really intense uh, setup and the follow-up from what's gone on before. This This story doesn't drop out of nowhere. It's a continuation of what we have been reading.
0: And you're absolutely right, and we'll get right into it uh, there. I have some other questions we'll get to as well, but uh, the best place to start is in the Scripture. So Genesis 12 is where this begins. It's also where we're going to begin, and I'll go over a couple of verses here because there's so much to dive into in just the first few. Uh, Genesis 12, my Bible title is at the call of Abram or Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. What I take from that is it's well, you got to keep going. Well, I got a first, I got a question already. Okay. So what I take from that is um, a couple different questions, but one, it, it seems to me like this Abram guy was just chilling at his house, just hanging out. Uh, I, to me, it didn't seem like anything was going wrong in his life. And all of a sudden, God tells him to just displace himself from where he was mm-hmm. and go somewhere
2: else. Well, um, I think John alluded to a minute ago that there's a lot we're not saying when we jump into twelve, and there's a, there's a lot that needs connect. I know John will connect us some to this, but I'll, I'll even take us back clear to the the story of creation and, oh, and the Garden of yeah. Eden. And let's go, yeah. So it's where where god desired that his his creation in eden would expand around the world right and and we've we've gone through several of the stories between then and this uh this story and and this is right after uh babel and the dispersion of people god had at multiple times to this point uh commanded that mankind would be fruitful multiply and fill the earth and it, it it came about differently than than perhaps he intended in the garden. Well, I think,
1: uh, yeah, it, it goes back to the the fact that God wants a relationship with his creation. We are designed to image God, and He's not just going to let us off the hook and say, "Well, you guys don't want to do it, then that's fine." I mean, if He was going to do that, He would have just wiped us out at the flood. But what you get is is a do over, a, a restart. And you get to the Tower of Babel where all of the world is really in open rebellion against God, and they reach up into the heavens and they try to call down gods to, their, to their, serve themselves, really, to, to make, uh, make their, a name for, their name for themselves, and God scatters them. And so at that point in Deuteronomy 32, uh, Michael Heiser talks about this a ton and really has just opened my eyes to this, that you know, God lets the nations go where they want to go. But he never gives up on the nations. They, they may give themselves over to these false gods, to these demonic beings. But what God does is instead of abandoning the nations, he creates a new nation whose role is to draw the nations back to him. That's why they're the chosen people. They're selected by God for this special purpose and as long as you think of it, it's just abraham who's vacationing and one day god's like hey you should move over there and good things will happen to you that that really is is missing the big story this is a story of the whole world not just the story about some guy named abraham
2: yeah and so at the end of chapter 11 there you get um you know where he descends from uh, the connection with the table of nations and and so out of that god God chooses Abraham; He elects him, and I, I think sometimes we we use that word election. Are you allowed to use that word? Um, I, I I am, in spite of <laughs> maybe just, my leaning. I'm just checking. But, but I I see that that term election is really uh, God electing people to do His purpose, not only for salvation. So He's pulling Abraham out, electing him out of all the masses in order that Abraham might carry on His purpose. So that
0: leads right into my next. Point of this seems like a pretty big deal. Then that Abraham is being called to do, like no, it's a huge deal. Maybe it, it's The
1: original job that mankind is given: we are to image God. Mm-hmm. Abraham is is in this poem, and it's it's a gorgeous poem, and that's what it is. It's a seven lined poem where God spells out his will for Abraham, and it's his job was to show the whole world what it was like to walk in a relationship with God. And that was really what he was called to do is wherever you go, show people what it's like to be in
0: fellowship with me. So a pretty big ordeal that Abraham is being signed up for. So to me, that means this guy must be something pretty special if that's who God is choosing or electing to go forth with this. So uh, I was kind of funny on the Trello board, or at least tried to be, uh, and mentioned that, like most people, I don't read the parts where it just says whose dad gave birth to whose son and whatever, whatever. But I know that it there's probably something in there. important <laughs> in that part of uh, the Bible, uh, if you will. So at the are end you of-
1: suggesting that parts of the Bible are not important? Martin.
0: They're just harder to read, (laughs) so it's easier to skip past it. Uh, Just being honest out there for everybody that's listening, but at the end of Genesis 11, it goes into that. So I guess, is there any importance of who Abraham's father was or father's father and father's father and maybe 10 generations worth of fathers? Is there any importance to that portion of the story as to why Abraham is the right guy for this?
1: I'm impressed you knew it was 10. Well, you said it about Ten minutes. Ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> normally it goes in one ear, not the other. You know, kind of <laughs> thing. Yeah. So in in Genesis one, God speaks ten times, and through the rest of the Bible, the the number ten is connected to the word and will of God. We we find that there's ten commandments, uh, things of that nature, and so it's it's not unexpected that you would see uh, a genealogy of ten. But if you read it, it reads exactly like the stories and the genealogies we have before the flood. And I think part of what that does for me is it reassures me that God's not done, that the story isn't off track. This isn't plan B. This is God continuing what he knew he would have to do if he was going to redeem mankind. And there's a ton of really fun stuff with the actual people in there, but it, it, it would only interest like dorks like me um, and so if you're one of my people, you know, give us a click, maybe, and I'll, we can talk about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's there, I think, primarily to show you that just like God was moving before the flood, God is moving after the flood. And even though he has divorced himself from the nations, they've they've gone away, and they're pursuing these false gods, and God has more or less said, Look, if that's what you want, then I I won't stop you from doing that. But what he does is he places a rescue act in motion. And wherever Abram goes, you get this little pocket of Eden that pops up, whether he deserves it or not, because Abraham is pretty much a terrible human being. I I
2: was gonna say that you know, it it's not his worth that he's chosen, and that's not the reason he's chosen. Yeah, it's it's another example that God chooses all kinds of people to to do his purposes. Yeah,
1: I heard a, a pastor one time say, and I have no idea where this quote comes from, but it says that the same God who prepares the burden for the back also prepares the back for the burden. For the burden. And that has always helped me so much because I know like even with the little things that God has asked me to do I'm not very good at it most of the time. I I let myself down all the time, and I know I let God down. Uh, Every time I take communion, I I have this moment of reflection beforehand where I'm just bearing my soul. And and, and if you were to make a list of how many times have I confessed the same sins, it's embarrassing. But God is faithful, Mm -hmm. and even though the world has wandered away, he has put into motion the most unlikely of rescue attempts— and, and it's beautiful in the sense that Abraham is maybe the worst qualified person to do this. He's an old man. He's been married and he has no children. He's the worst possible candidate you could pick to start a new nation. But there's also no question that when you see what God does through Abraham that God did it. It's it's not something that you could be thinking to yourself. Well, you know Abraham, he just was awesome. Anyone who has read his story should be embarrassed uh, for him. (laughs) For him, and I don't know how in the world Sarah uh, stuck with Abraham like like she does. It's uh, it's it's really a sad story. And so,
0: without which, by the way, was skipped in the children's (laughs)
1: version. There,
0: one of many. Uh, Without getting too in depth on some of the other. Stories that are to come. I, I like that we're talking about how Abram was not really the best candidate or maybe even the worst candidate that was out there for this big ordeal that he is undertaking. But it, again, to me, I know you'll probably yell at me, but I, I jump straight to like the application of what does that mean for us today? There's so many different ways that you can take that and apply it to life today. But is that a major player in this story that's what we're
2: supposed to take from this is yeah yeah, definitely uh you you look at um abraham taking things into his own hand and and sarah uh, complicit in that as well of saying hey uh if we're going to be a nation you've got to we've got to figure out how to have a kid here and i can't do it so here take my handmaid um i mean that's that that's so typical of humans isn't it that that even knowing God's promises, we find our, 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 the ways that we can put our hands to the wheel and start driving this thing. In and order I don't to think it.
1: that's ignoring the original context either, which you might be criticized for. That's, that's simply knowing that Abraham and I share a common God and task to image God. Now, God really did ask Abraham to do specific things, but he also is really asking us to do specific things, and we can learn from his story and, and hopefully avoid his mistakes while mirroring his successes. And I think you're going to find the entire story of Abraham in verses 1, 2, and 3 there, the, that little poem that God writes. He says, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. That is exactly what the world was trying to do at the Tower of Babel. They wanted to make a great name for themselves. Yep. The Bible talks quite a bit about how God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's not something for us to claim for ourselves. This is a gift that God gives, and it isn't just for Abram to experience this. His job, his name is great because wherever he goes, he's supposed to be a blessing for the rest of the world. And I think there's a huge thing for the church to grab hold of there because, to be quite honest— Our history is not one of being a continual blessing wherever we are. The amount of hatred and and snobbishness and uh, just sin wound up in church is an embarrassment to Christ and a stumbling stone to people coming to the message of Jesus. But what we're supposed to take from this is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, And because we do that, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. When Abraham goes down into Egypt, he's a curse on Egypt. When Abraham goes and rescues Lot, he's a blessing. It depends on what he does as to how people interact with God. And the same thing can be true of us. We can either be a blessing and help people approach the Lord, or we can be a stumbling stone. And Jesus has a whole lot to say about that.
0: Uh, if you guys couldn't tell, John is currently preaching through Abraham here, so he is definitely <laughs> re- prepared for this. But it's all wonderful stuff, and that's actually how I prepared it's for this It's such podcast. a good story. I was listening to uh, Pastor John's sermons on there. Um, so you're exactly right, and that's what I put down was the bulk of this is in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. and. I will make your name great sounds like a desire from just one chapter ago when we were at the Tower of You're supposed of to
1: link that. It's a hyperlink in the text. I think Tim Mackey on the Bible Project uses that phrase, and I love it, because it does. it. You click that, and it just takes you straight back to that other story.
0: So as far as that goes, I guess I would ask for the definition of making your name great. What What does it mean for humans to want to make their name great? You know, if you think of some celebrities that you may know— that go by a one-name type of idea. I don't think that's re- what it's referring to, that everybody's going to know who you're talking about when you say Madonna. There's only one Madonna. There's only one prince or, or whoever. Is it something along that, like they want to just be a big celebrity, or what does it mean that they're trying to make their name great?
1: Take it away, Dwayne.
2: Well, I think, you know, certainly uh, we know who Abraham is. Uh, his name is well understood in in faith circles, um, I, I believe it had context for his time as well. Um, that as he becomes, you know, we've been I'm not trying to be hard on Abraham here, just wanting to point out he was not supernatural. He had his his uh, his shortcomings, uh, but perhaps uh, Abraham was not seeking to be great. He was reluctant and wondered how he could actually be a father of nations at his age. I mean, he had all the right. Questions, you know, as far as you know where he was starting this journey from, uh, I think that any of us would have. And yet, um, he ends up uh, being, uh, you know, a, a, a peacekeeper at times uh, in the middle of war. You, you think about the story with Abr- Abraham, Abraham and Melchizedek, and in, in the in the uh, cities that were at war there, um, and he brings the tithe offering. There's there's so many things that he does that. Um, it does show us that while he was had shortcomings, he also um, was uh, carrying the image of God in, in, in other ways. Right, and
1: I think that's important for someone reading their Bible is to know that the Bible does not always approve of the things it records. It doesn't want you to treat your wife the way Abraham does. You're supposed to read this, and the wise can tell the difference. You see this, and you say, that doesn't show me God. That shows me the fruit of sin, And Abraham is supposed to be, this is his calling, is to show what it means to walk in a relationship with God. Wherever he goes, God blesses him, not because he's earned it, but simply because God is with him. And the one thing that you can say about Abraham, and you can't say this about too many people in the scripture, is that he's loyal to God the whole time. He doesn't have a Baal uh, episode where he's just off really enamored with this, like you get with Solomon or many of the kings of Israel. He's, he's loyal the whole time. He just is a bumbling fellow for a lot of his story. He, he makes dumb decisions, and ones that he knew not to. The, the Bible's pretty clear about this, that sin is to know to do good and not do it. When you read the next chapter here, you're going to see he's, he's afraid, and he's not walking in faith. He's not protecting his wife. He's not doing any of the things that he knows to do. He's trying to define good and evil for himself, and it bites him. And it's it's a, it's a an intense story, which I, maybe is why the children's version just decided not to include it at all.
0: And I think that's the connection. Uh, I try to mention this every podcast is when we're talking about these old Sunday school stories, what is the connection to the gospel message, to, to Jesus' life on there? I, I think that might be what it is with Abraham when you mentioned that he was always faithful to God the Father. And to, yeah. to me, that really links to you know the life of Jesus. The only difference is Jesus lived his life a little bit better than Abraham did uh, with there. So, so that's the connection that I made with. Um, with this leading to the gospel, but uh, I heard a wise pastor once say, like when I was driving up here, about how this is a story of of wisdom and understanding uh, what is the right decision to be made, uh, mentioning about when there was famine, that it's maybe not the best place to be and I need to get up and, and move on further. So explain, I guess, a little bit more of how Abraham maybe got that wisdom or or use that wisdom to know that he was doing the right thing? Because I I love this point.
1: Well, I I think that to get to Jesus in the Abraham story, this story points backwards before it points forwards. If you read on in Genesis 12, look at verse uh, 6 and 7. It says, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time the Canaanites were in the land, and there the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Most of Abraham's story, he's either going to this tree or going away from this tree. So again, in the story, we have this incredible importance of God showing himself to his champion beneath the boughs of a tree. And that's that's Eden my friend that that little picture should point you straight back to Adam and Eve but also should point you forward to Jesus when we find Jesus clear as could be hanging on the tree for the death of all mankind and Abraham is able because he's seen the Lord God is literally with him and he simply is asked do your best make a decision that doesn't dishonor the Lord, and God will bless you. That, that's the best job description I've ever heard of. Just go give it a swing, man. Get up there, and whatever you do, I'm going to bless it. Just don't be a terrible human being. And yet he still falls short of that mark, and, and right away with the Egypt story, um, what could have been an amazingly effective means of showing God to the Egyptians turns into a curse and plagues on Egypt. It's, it's this little Exodus episode in the in the book of Genesis, and you really look at that and you think, man, what a missed opportunity that, that was really given to Abram, and he reaps the consequences for his actions. But I think we can apply that to ourselves, too. I've never seen the risen Lord or had an experience under a tree where I heard voices, but Calvary means a lot to me the idea of my God suffering for my sins and calling me to take up my cross and follow him, all of that is enmeshed in the story of Abraham. And so if you cut these stories off and you say, I just don't need to think about these, this is the Old Testament stuff, you're missing so much of Jesus's method and ministry because this is his story from the get-go.
2: I'd also jump in here and just talk a little bit about the thirty thousand foot view of the gospel in this, and and we see this rhythm over and over throughout Scripture, where there's a calling out, there's a separation, there's an empowering, and then there's a sending back. And and Those Abraham like
1: bullet points, man, that's good.
2: Yeah, I mean, these, you know, God is throughout the Scripture, He's pulling people out into the wilderness, ministering to them. He pulls Abraham out of his his homeland to this place, a place of promise. And it's not just for you know we haven't hit on this too much, but it's not just for Abraham. No, but it's for the whole world. And mm. and then you see this rhythm in in the the. Uh, uh, the sons of the prophets you know they're they're pulled out of the cities they 're out there communing with God, but then they're they're speaking truth and, and into the political scene at, at their time. You yeah. see it in uh, uh, John the Baptist and then Jesus uh, you know uh, going out at times into the wilderness in order to uh, commune with God but they they go back and they take the gospel to the people. And 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 you just see that rhythm of in and out, in and out, and and sometimes I think we we think of uh you know election and in a in elitist form that that Abraham and his offspring, well they're elite, no they're they, they may be elite, but they're elite for a purpose, and that they purpose, have purpose, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, so do it's connected you. to the purpose exactly, and right.
1: I want to play off that yeah, just sure. a little bit for you, like how do you see that as the church now? Like I hear so many Christians who are upset about the world that they live in. And and I think that they're missing a beautiful opportunity to to do what we're made to do. And that's not to complain about it, but to get up and show the love of God and to be passionately committed to Amen. truth and justice and mercy and hope and, and to be a blessing. Uh, I mean, Abraham's, what's that verse? Is it verse 3? Would you read verse 3? I think that's which one it is. Hmm?
0: Uh, Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed.
1: Now, we can read that and see Jesus. That's for sure. Abraham is the father of the Messiah, and Jesus would change everything. But wherever Abraham went, he also was a blessing to the people around him. It mattered what he did, and I think that the church right now, especially the American church— has such a beautiful opportunity to stand up and do something, to to make disciples, to show God, uh, God's nature and love and compassion. And instead, what I hear is is, is really mad, and it's <laughs> it's it's just really not winsome. Sometimes it's just really grouchy, and you wonder like how how is that supposed to draw people to hear
0: Jesus? Uh, it, it it seems like we're off pitch. And when you were talking about Abraham being basically employed by God. He has the best job description. It's pretty good. That that could be. But then I was thinking, we all share that job description then. Sure. Yeah. And so it seems really cool that Abraham was, you know, blessed with this opportunity and whatnot. But as you guys were just mentioning, we all have that same opportunity.
1: I had a professor in school. His name was Don Alban. And he used to say, your mission field is where your feet are. And I wrote it all over my notebook. And I was like, that is exactly right. Wherever I'm at, if it's Kroger's or in traffic, I'm really bad about representing the kingdom of God in traffic. I just, I struggle. We're praying for you, John. I appreciate that. But it's, that's what we are. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven living here. And I think if we would just think of ourselves that way and to realize that you have a purpose and you've been called by God to do this, that makes your life mean something.
0: It gives you the purpose, which yeah. I hear makes you elite. Um,
1: so <laughs> elect, I like is that what You, you I, said I,
0: elect a lot
1: today, buddy. For
2: I'm not afraid. Man, I <laughs> I just have a little Dwayne bit. and of, I don't agree <laughs> on tons of things, so I like to hear him just throw these words out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Oh, I love the idea of elect. It's just tied to purpose, not necessarily salvation.
0: And uh, so I think that pretty much – Wraps up the introduction of Abraham. We hit a lot of different ideas of why God needed to bring somebody in and, and do what Abraham is, is going to do. Now, I'm
1: excited to hear Nick and Jacob kind of walk through some of these episodes here.
0: And then why why did they pick a 75-year-old man with no children on there? So I, I think we really got into uh, quite a bit, and that starts out this little mini-series, like I mentioned, that we're going to do here uh, of the next several episodes. Don't so,
1: let them skip the Egypt one. We'll go right into it. Next okay, after because that. the Egypt one is important. It's gonna, it's gonna matter. <laughs> All righty, Seth. That's a wrap,
0: man.